Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, delighted to be bringing you another edition of our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. In case you missed last week, I had the best time at the 2019 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. It was amazing. And if you know anything about going to the convention, it's about, yeah, staying sharp, learning new things, but it's also about reminiscing and going down memory lane. And that is exactly what we are going to do today on our United Soccer Coaches podcast. Bill Nuttall was the general manager of the 19 19- 1994 U.S. World Cup soccer team. He essentially gave me my start after the Olympics to be with the full national team and become the senior press officer. It was a life-changing experience for me on so many levels, but it was interesting as we built this team as a full-time professional team because there was no Major League Soccer, there was no full-time Pro League, so the USA played like a full-time professional team. It's a lot of fun going down memory lane. Also on this week's podcast spotlight, we put it on the six-yard box. Ron DeMars is the host. Here's a guy who's got a ton of kids who are goalkeepers. He's also a broadcaster. He combined both his loves. You'll like my time with Ron DeMars. But the Golden Viking, he was a goalkeeper in the NASL. He played collegially at Davis and Elkins, where, by the way, it's now called Nuttall Field to give you an idea of his power and influence. Bill Nuttall, the Golden Viking, up next after this message from Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets go paperless with team snap their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication registration scheduling and more plus they have way fewer paper cuts bring your club or league into the 21st century with team snap go to teamsnap.com to learn more now here's dean welcome back to the united soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap we're here in chicago an evergreen edition i'm dean linky proud to be your host now for almost five years going on 15 plus years as the voice of united soccer coaches and one that allows me to have some liberties and when you get a chance to be with somebody who's made such a big impact in soccer, it's one thing. When you get a chance to be with somebody who you can say is one of the best bosses you ever had, and even though as the host you rank this guy in your top five, and he looks at you and ranks you in the <laughs> bottom 100. Not true. You still want to have him on, and we're talking about the Golden Viking, Bill Nuttall, the general manager of the 1994 U.S. World Cup team. Without question, Bill, the greatest time in my life. Now, I have had a couple kids, so those, they go right up there, but met my wife during that time, living the dream, fell in love with the sport. It was just plain awesome. Well, you know, Dean, there's times in your life when things happen. <clears throat> they happen for a reason in many cases. But like you said, outside of family, that 91 to 94 was really, uh, it was something to behold because no one knew what we were going to get into. No one was sure how well we were going to play. Uh, and, of course, you're heading the uh, the press corps out there and we're building how we're going to get the, uh, the whole infrastructure going with our staff. And, of course, you were leading that brigade as far as the press conferences and the press corps. So did a fabulous job, and it was fun, and it was great to have you on board. And uh, 
I liked you from the first day I met you because I liked your your energy and your your sympathy and empathy for uh, for the game. It was great, great stuff. Well, you always, you mean you always had my back. We always got each other, and you know what else? You just let me do my job. You know, you had confidence in me. You had confidence. Everybody loved working for you, Bill. But before you were the general manager, you've done some amazing things. So I want to walk. I want to walk through that. Where'd you grow up? I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I played in the. Uh, the old Philadelphia Ethnic Leagues. There wasn't club sports at that time, and so I played for the South Philly Italians, the North Wales Irish, and you name it. Uh, and then, uh, of course, I was fortunate enough to to make junior college All-American, and I went on to uh, Davis and Elkins College in uh, West Virginia, where we won the NAIA championships uh, twice. <coughs> Excuse me, and. Um, so I was real lucky there and ended up playing for the Miami Toros, Fort Lauderdale Strikers. and NASL. The old, the original NASL, played against Pele. I had some, you know, some great experiences and was so sad to see the NASL go under like they did. But then I moved over to the MISL, which when I was the general manager for the Dallas Sidekicks and then uh, went into the sporting goods side with Miter Sports and uh, with Patrick and then, of course, finishing up with Deodora. Right. And between that, between uh, the Patrick and the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was fortunate enough that a guy by the name of Hank Steinbrecher called me and said, I'm looking for a general manager to run the national team. We're going to have a standing national team. We're going to be based somewhere in the U.S. Uh, we have nothing but college players. I've got a good foreign coach by the name of Bora Militinovic. Uh, I need someone to handle the administrative side and make sure our games and players and all that are are organized, as well as our public relations side, which you did. So what a run, and I was really fortunate. Who would have thought after 1990, when we really had a very poor showing uh, in Italy, and, you know, about eight guys left uh, Italy and went straight to Europe trying to find national team players, trying to find... Uh, a team to play with and of course the American people were not American players were not seen as legitimate players at that time so I mean they kept bouncing around you look at Harks, Ramos, Vermes uh, Miola, Caligiuri uh, Noah Miss and a few others uh, Jurgen Summers and a few others that, and all they did was just kept trying out and they, got, they, they, they gave us the credibility so when everyone says oh American soccer is so good right now it is Players, the players are playing in Europe. It's unbelievable. But who started that? Who were the pioneers that took all the lumps? While these guys now, you have agents, everybody's shopping American players, which is fabulous. But it all began with back in the pioneering days. And it was an incredible run. I mean, we were out in California. I want to get to that. I want to, I want to back up to Davis and Elkins, though. And was Hank Steinbrecher involved in that team as well? Hank, or? Hank was my teammate when we won the championship in 1970. He was your teammate. He was a left back, yes. Okay. All right, now, folks, we're going to talk more about how amazing it was to basically be a full-time, quote, professional team for almost two years out in Southern California. But to give you an idea of what a quality man this guy is and yeah he's not afraid to bust your chops a little bit but bill what you did at davis and elkins i mean i think it's called bill nuttle field or stadium what's it called now uh yeah it's called nuttle field but um i love that my man i mean that is <laughs> no come on i mean that's amazing well I, the good news was i i spearheaded a fundraising campaign to raise 1.4 million dollars to build a soccer field and lights and uh, and the scoreboard and all that. So yes, I, I headed up the uh, the fundraising campaign. Hank was also my co-chair on that. 
And uh, we raised $1.4 million, which was amazing. That how many alums came out of the woodwork to really sponsor and support the, uh, the soccer program. Well, soccer's been your life. You think about tipping points for you. Clearly winning those championships propelled you to so many other things. They can't take that away from you now. That is so incredible. Yeah, that's true. It, uh, you know, as I get older, they still can't take it away. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you've earned, and it you know it goes into the archives, and it's all it's all good. But you know the memories are great. Uh, what took place with you in the middle of that too, Dean, from '91 to '94, never will happen. Has not happened. Uh, everyone says, well, you know, what's the difference? I said, money. We had no money, as you knew, as you know. We spent. Uh, we were pretty frugal on how we operated, and uh, you know the the players weren't getting paid very little and it was it was people that were pioneering through and after 94 of course the springboard of everything that happened MLS and your involvement with MLS I mean you moved right from US soccer to MLS that was a great move they recognized your talents and jumped you right on board there which was great so it's yeah. interesting there's the 91 to really 91 to 96 when the MLS started up that's a pretty amazing uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Leapfrog for soccer in America, yeah. and the women winning on top of that. The women yeah. won the World Cup on top of all that. So what a great! Yeah, that is amazing. How yeah. many? Uh, and then of course you know, and in '96 they rolled into '96 was the Olympics, right? They well, and we had qualified for the '92 Olympics too, which where all those players came from. Alexa yes. was on that team. Kobe was on that yep. team. Joe Max was on that team. Chris Henderson was yep. on that team. Dante Washington. You're right. Brad Friedel. All those guys were on those teams. In fact, the way I remember it was, and I was bouncing. I was with the women, um, doing a lot of stuff with them, the 92 Olympic team. And then when I got back, you called me in, and you said, hey, Dean, how do you feel about living in Southern California and working <laughs> with me? And I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And so, yeah, we all go out there. It's me, you, Renato, Rudy, Huey, and Brian Fleming. That was our crew. Right, right. And we went out to Southern Cal, and we traveled all over the country and all over the world playing as many games as we can. Yeah, it was... It was uh and, of course, it's not hard to convince you in November in Chicago that you should probably come to Southern Cal in January, right? Well, plus, anything with you, honestly, I mean, I'm not being sick of fanning. Anything with you I was going to do. Well, so. you know, you got. You, I always say you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and yourself, Renato, Brian Fleming, Rudy. All you guys were smart guys, young, energetic, right attitude. And... Uh, you know, it all falls into place when you let people do their job. You know what? Part of the attitude was, at least in my opinion, and, and I, I don't mean this to sound self-serving, but I had two pagers, and I was never <laughs> not available because I felt like we had to be Yeah. because yep. it, we hadn't arrived, right? So oh, exactly. if somebody wanted to talk to Bill Nuttall, I was going to make sure they talked to yep. Bill Nuttall yep. or Tony Miola. It's a little different now because, yeah, we made it. But back then, you had to be that way, right? Oh, absolutely. And if you remember, uh, we went when we moved to uh, Mission Viejo, we stayed in the Holiday Inn. <laughs> right. Right there next to, uh, you know, about a mile away from where our training facility was going to be. And they had no idea. When I was talking with them in November, I'm saying, we're coming out here, the World Cup team. And they're looking at me like I am speaking Swahili. <laughs> I mean, they had, they're like, real. I said, I said, I'm telling you right now. Come March, February, March, you will. This will. You'll never believe how much attention will come to this city, and how much press, and how the World Cup will mean so much to the rest of the world. You have no idea what's coming. And I remember the manager and the um, 
and the assistant manager, their heads were spinning. They're like, you're right. This is unbelievable. Can't believe the notoriety that's come to this town. Yeah. And it was all because of the World Cup, handling the public relations like you do. Remember, we played, basically played a game somewhere in the world every 10 days. Yeah. I mean, we have a coach who once has a technical need. That is to play games. He can't have his team in Mission Viejo training for months on end. Yeah. It just won't work. It's You're defeating the purpose. So his, his mandate to me was to find a game more or less every 10 days. Yeah. Uh, that was the target. And we, we hit it. We did that with quite a few. And, you know, we didn't have money, so we'd have to go to play some games in some interesting countries in order to get some right. some pretty big purses in order to make payroll that Bloody much. Saudi Arabia, that was a fun trip. <clears throat> we went to Saudi Arabia three times, <laughs> and the only reason we went two of the times was because we were out of money and they were prepared to pay us an appearance fee right. that we could make payroll for another couple of months. We went and to Hong Kong, too. Remember that trip? That was big time. The Kyrgyz Hong Kong? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we went. To, uh, that was in Japan, Japan, right? Yeah, and then we went to Hong Kong and Dominic Kinnear, another another big time coach in the MLS and and uh, all that, had appendicitis. Oh, that's right. And we had yeah. to run him into the hospital at three a.m. in the morning. And uh, fortunately, we were in Hong Kong. The hospitals are fabulous, and we had our team doc with us, Doc Mandelbaum. Um, so you know, those are great memories, as you say, Dean. And nobody else will ever do what we did because the times have changed. I mean. This, was, this team was run by games that would keep us going, not sponsorships or anything else. And that, that was always quite the, uh, quite the challenge. Yeah, and just, just so people understand, it really was a pro team. We all lived there. We lived in two different complexes. And short of the Tab Ramoses and, and John Harks and uh, you know, Roy Wegelys and a few guys that were you know, playing on European teams, we were all there practicing every day or traveling or getting ready for another game. Right. We had a pool of about 30 players. We had eight, more or less eight players in Europe. And this is before we even realized that Ernie Stewart was an American. He, uh, and he was, and Thomas Dooley, an American. Not naturalized Americans, but American citizens by birth. And uh, so these were, these types of players were, were available. But we had about eight players in Europe, about 22 in Mission Viejo. And, um, you know, that's, but those 22 had to keep playing. Yes, the eight players in Europe were playing their regular European schedule, so that was fine. But the other 22 needed to really uh, play. And Bora needed to have them playing in, against competition. And uh, so we played some pretty small countries. <laughs> We were fortunate that um, the Soviet Union actually broke up, and that gave us all those countries that run yeah. the Soviet Union rule, you know, Moldova, Moldova. yeah, and uh, Ukraine and Albania and you name it, Georgia, and it was, uh, it was pretty... Uh, uh, amazing. And you found the right people. Like you just said, Moldova, Charlie Slagle is on the program, and he was doing those yes. such great success with the NCAA tournament, and yep, yep. he did the same thing for the U.S. games. Yep. I mean, you know, it, those people were, were just in it for the game. You know, they, you know, Charlie Slagle, exactly. One call to Charlie, Charlie, we need some, no problem. We, we'll help you out. What do you want to do? Well, we, and we ended up playing at Davidson that game, and Charlie was the I don't know if he was the AD, or not the AD, if he was the coach, coach at Davidson yeah. then or whether he had moved on. But No, I think he was still you know, a coach and then moved on, yeah. Those are the kinds of people yeah. that make it work for um, 
you know, that really made it made soccer work. And, and nobody was in it for the money because there was no money to be made. Stay with us. More with Bill Nuttall after this quick message. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. As always, you can't go anywhere with Bill Nutto without like all kinds of well, fans Keith coming up. head of uh, U.S. Futsal. Okay, there Coach you go. of U.S. Futsal. And they do a great job as well. That, that is the great thing about the convention, Bill. I mean, just... And it's funny, you know, the the older and fatter I get, the more I appreciate it. It's <laughs> incredible, isn't it? It's, uh, it's fascinating the way this has grown from... Uh, in New York City, where there was probably 300 coaches to, what are they expecting here, 8,000, something like that? I think a record. I think they're saying it's the biggest one ever. So, And every year it's a record. I mean, they said right. Philly would be the biggest, Baltimore is going to be the biggest, and now, you know. And it goes back to Philadelphia next year, I think, or Baltimore, one of the two. Yeah, one of those two, and then Anaheim the year and after. And back out west again. No, oh, that's yeah. good. But it was, uh, what, what, a, what a great run. What a thing for soccer. Um, you know, social media wasn't around at that time. So, you know, you, we were still guys like you, well, guys like you and your staff had to hit the pavement and make sure everyone was uh, aware of what we're doing. It wasn't one of those things where you can, you know, social put the social media to work and it's all over the place. Um, but, you know, you ended up with some unbelievable people. Alexi Lawless. I mean, you know, what can you say about Lexi? He's, uh, he's a smart guy. Uh, it's obvious he does TV and all that stuff. Uh, Brad Friedel still holds the record for the consecutive EPL games played. American does that. Not, not, a, not some English guy or whatever. Brad Friedel holds the record. I can't remember what that number of consecutive. Long career. Long That's talking about EPL games. So you get, even when you get transferred yeah. and you move on, uh, you know, those, those type, you know, the John Harkses of the world, Tom Ramos, these guys are all still involved with the game and still very much uh, Tony Miola. I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss somebody. Peter Vermes, hello. The guy's Legit. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're talking about some really, those guys played on the 94 team. And, uh, we're instrumental in getting it all done. Caligiuri's done a fine job out there in California. So it's always a fun, uh, it's always great to see these guys. It's like I saw Lexi today. And, you know, I don't, I don't speak to Lexi probably once every three years. But, it's but you know, there's still that bond because we all knew what we were trying to accomplish. And yeah, there was well, no, he knows what it meant to him, too. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you Lexi's story. So he was playing with the Olympic team. And we had, uh, we were already in Mission Viejo. So the Olympic team was finished up. They finished up in Spain. And uh, so Lexi was in California for whatever reason. I was in Chicago at the offices there. And he calls and he says, uh, so is Bohr going to give me a shot? You know, is he, what, what I said, Lexi, sit tight. I'll keep you posted here. But I called Bora and I uh, said, Bora, um, uh, Lexi's available and he's out west. Do you want to bring him in? And he says, nah, we have enough center backs right now. And we had three center backs at the time. And uh, he says, nah, we're pretty deep in center backs, so I don't think we need to bring him in. So I called Lexi, and I said, Lexi, uh, unfortunately, timing's not good going home because uh, we're, you know, we're, we're just pretty deep in that position. So Lexi drives from L.A. to Detroit, or he's on his way to Detroit. 
And the next day, Bora calls and says, uh, you know what, we should probably bring Alexi in. And I said, okay, it's gonna take me a few days to track him down, because you don't have cell phones. Right. So he's driving somewhere. So I called his mother and I said, if Lexi checks in, tell him to call me immediately. So I don't know where he was, in Idaho or somewhere. Right, yeah. And uh, I said, come on back, come on back. And And he never left. So I put him in with Sorber, another another name. Great story, yeah. I put him in with Sorber because the single guys guys were all in two-bedroom apartments. Mm -hmm. And Sorbs was there by himself, so Lexi gets dropped in there. And I said to Lexi, I don't think you're going to be here very long because, you know, you're like the fourth center back for us. And Lexi worked his way up through the ranks. Uh, John Doyle ends up going to Leipzig because East and West Germany broke down and they became, uh, that became the Bundesliga. Right. So three, I don't know, four or five Eastern Germany teams became right. uh, part of the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And Beats out Desmond Armstrong. and yeah. Desmond Armstrong and on and on you go. And... Uh, um, and there's Lexi, you know, and he's got his, uh, set, his uh, he, he was always drinking those Slurpees and throwing the cups in his back seat. Yeah. And, and, and growing he, that beard. And he had the beard and the long hair. And I was like, I was wondering how long that's going to last. And Bora was pretty tolerant because he normally wanted everybody pretty clean cut. But he, he understood it. And yeah. then you even were, you know, right there to allow him to, you know, sing the national anthem before the games. And we started to promote his concerts as yep, well yep. and then away we went and yep. it was just uh it was it was magical i had ernie stewart on last week ernie actually remember we got those tailored suits yep he gave me both his tailored suits because fortunately during that time i was the same size as him nice yeah i think i can get one arm in this suit now you know <laughs> and that's the leg i saw the blazer yeah but uh there's oh, yeah, not the enough, there's not fit, enough yeah. fabric to uh to expand mine to now go so all the way yeah it just gosh. sits there and i point saying you know i used to wear something like that but, <laughs> yeah uh, one moment after the other. Okay, so Bill, it's all over now. You've finally settled down. You live in Chattanooga, right? That's right. Okay. And you're paying attention, I think, to the team there as well. So what's your world like now? So I, I you know, I, I had the, the license for Diodora for 14 years. I sold that to a Canadian company, moved to Chattanooga because my daughter, grandkids are there and, and the weather's nice and cost of living. So uh so I was fortunate enough to run into a guy by the name of Sean McDaniel, who is now the general manager for the Chattanooga Red Wolves, which is League One under the USL uh, scheme. So, uh, and, you know, he was nice enough to bring me on and ask my advice, and I've been helping him and helping them with some merchandise and what have you. So it's been fun because Chattanooga is a nice town, a lot of enthusiasm, and uh, so that's what I've been doing between that and... I'm still on the board. I'm chairman of the board of trustees at Davis and Elkins, where where uh, you know we, we raise money for the field, and so I stay involved with that, and it's all been good. It's been very good. Cool. I think you'll be proud to know I'm introducing uh, Hank Steinbrecher tomorrow at the uh, All America Banquet. Oh, he, he's good. the honorary All American, and I get to introduce him and uh, certainly he's been a big part of all of our lives as well, right? Well, needless to say, Hank hired me, <clears throat> and. Uh, like, like you said, uh, you know, Hank trusted that I would do the job. He didn't micromanage. Uh, he stepped in when he needed to step in and when we needed to help. And I hopefully conveyed that back through the ranks with, uh, you know, with my staff, with you included. And, uh, you know, Bora, we could tell Bora stories all day long. Dean, you have a million of them. I have a million of them. But at the end of the day, once again, the right person for the right time for the right job. 
And you can call him the mad professor, all these different things, but he knows what he's doing. He knew what he had to do to repair a young team. Uh, he knew what he had to do to, to when we were out there and how we would play. And, you know, he was perfect for that. And Bora's not the kind of guy you're going to manage. Right. But you, but I would say this much, I, you know, and as you, you've known Bohr over the years, once you are his friend or once he believes that you are loyal and you are, you are part of the team, you're, you don't, you don't have a better friend, I'll tell you. No, it's the best he is, ever. He is absolutely, you know, he and our coaching staff, Timo Leakowski, um, rest in peace, Ziggy Smith, God bless him, so sad to hear that this week. Um, you know, we had Steve Sampson. Um, Sholey. Sholey, uh, yeah, Militan Saskic, who was the goalkeeping coach. And, you know, what a staff. What a great staff. You included, and then, of course, Renato. And the amount of time and energy. I mean, you were putting in probably an 18-hour day easily. Yeah. And never thinking about it. Never saying, oh, I'm being overworked because it was so no, much fun being that. immersed. Yeah, we didn't say that. Yeah. I keep saying we were building the airplane in midair. We yeah. were already flying it, and every time we had to tinker with something, we tinkered with it and made it work. But Yeah, that's a good message because today these youngsters, they, yeah, yeah it's a it different. is what it is. I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, I don't. How much time would you have spent on social media now? Yeah. I mean, look at this. We're in press row here, whatever you want to call this. Yeah. Podcast row. Yeah. There's no such thing as that in '90. No, uh, the, it no. wasn't so much that in what four years, five years ago. Yeah. And well, here you have all these podcasts and it, all the social media. Yeah, and and I think that's I guess that's where we'll end it because part of the reason there's a big gathering here and folks a couple years ago the Golden Viking. Let him out at the convention. He was there, but normally in his pocket, he's just got him in there. Now, remember, Bill Nutto in the NASL, the Golden Viking, a great goalkeeper. There was a guy who came over from Brazil. He scored a lot of goals. I think he played in a lot of World Cups. can't remember his name is, right now. Is yeah. he in there? He in? So Bill is putting his hand in his pocket now. Uh, who is, is that Pele? That's him. Yeah. Pele, and then Bill would hold him on his finger like this. You can't see me on the radio. Like, Pele, do you want to come? No, no, you're you're gonna come back, back in, in the here. Park. Yeah, yeah. So hey, it's not the record straight. Experience. Did you ever pick up any balls in the in your net from Pele, or is that legit? No, uh, we lost to the Cosmos that game, but he didn't score. <laughs> so I was really fortunate. Uh, yeah. So you know, what what can you say? You're playing against. Uh, arguably the greatest player that ever played the game and he comes to the united states and plays yeah. in our league unbelievable right what a what i mean can't make that stuff up no you know i love when you used to do that though it <laughs> never never gets old for me no no, no. You know, come on man you got to bring that back live, you know you can't live in the past too much <laughs> you know. it's too much young too much stuff going on in this world positive stuff look at this convention this is insane it is it is so positive and such energy and nowhere else in the world nowhere else in the world do you have this kind of congregation of people french federations here and their minds are blown yeah to tell them there's going to be five six eight thousand coaches all blah 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 all levels all you name it yeah, they're hanging out with a World Cup trophy, and their minds are blown. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, just to to tell you how great they took this it to is. the bar last night. Really? And, yeah. And they had a security guy with them, and you can see people looking at it like, "What's that all about?" And then they finally said, "This is the French Federation." What the? Really? The French Federation? Yeah. Oh, and then they queued up for photos. It was wow. pretty. That's uncanny. The first time you're ever in a bar in your life, and the World Cup trophy is there at the same time. Yeah, you're some high school coach rolling into town <laughs> like. 
<laughs> really? That's what it is? Yeah. So, you know, on and on the stories go, Dean. But what a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so glad. This has I mean, been I a real pleasure. Yeah, and I want to keep in better touch, you know. Like for sure. You learn to be more reflective What's well, up to you? You're a big TV oh, personality yeah, now, you know, go. so it's tough to... I think to, uh, the phone works both ways. It's Folks, tough. here's the name, Bill Nuttall, <laughs> N-U-T-T-A-L-L. He was the general manager of the 1994 U.S. World Cup team, and as you're trying to break down history of soccer in the U.S., that's when it all took off, and... Bill, you gave me Thanks, a great Steve. opportunity. I loved it. Bill Nuttall, he is the man, the Golden Viking. <laughs> and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. This is part of our weekly kind of recap of podcast role at the 2019 United Soccer Coaches Convention. There's a whole bunch of us, and it's been fun getting to know all of them. And this week, we're taking a look at the podcast. It's another goalkeeping podcast. It's called The Six Yard Box, and it's T-H-E, then the number six, Y-D for Yard Box, and the host, producer, man behind it is Ron DeMars. Ron, thanks for being with us. Oh, I can't thank you enough for having me. Huge fan of yours. Well, huge fan of yours as well. This is pretty cool because I will say this. If there's one thing that moves me more than anything else, that is my kids. And I don't miss any of my kids' stuff. And sounds like you combined the love of your kids who were goalkeepers with your love of broadcasting and made something happen here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I honestly never played the position. Like, this is a, it was something new to me, but my kids were all goalkeepers. And so I needed to find, needed to figure out how they could learn the position how could they get better at it started reaching out to coaches and uh, as you find as you find at a convention like this like everybody is so open to talking so open to sharing what they know and yeah everybody everybody i reached out to was was happy to help and so eventually i thought well why don't i take broadcasting which i know and soccer which i love and we'll bring them together and and do a do a podcast for the keepers okay so the six yard box podcast has been around for how long now how long just, you been just a year okay. just a year has grown like crazy like i never could have imagined as many people would, would have an interest in this but part of that's because of the, the the coaches out there that i've been willing to step in lisa cole from united soccer coaches among others um, just step in and do an episode and, and teach us a lesson each week about goalkeeping. And Ron, you don't sway. It's goalkeeping, goalkeeping, goalkeeping. Yep, just goalkeeping. Yeah, so usually a coach, sometimes a player, uh, talking about their journey, their development, um, what they would have done differently, what what they thought they did right as they grew up. And, um, yeah, I learned something every week. So I think that's hopefully what, what we're bringing the audience. So in your assessment, what makes a great goalkeeper? Uh, it's a lot of things, man. Psychology seems to be a big part of it. That's what a lot of people mention. Um, just being, realizing that most of the people on that field and on that sideline don't understand your position um, and being willing to, being able to shake off those mistakes when you make them, not get too high, not get too low. But I think like anything else too, it's dedication. It's, it's taking the time to figure out how you can get better and, and spending those hours getting better. Well, you're pretty tall anyway. You said your kids are tall, and I guess there was just a natural just kind of tendency to head to the goal and play goalie. What's the deal there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they just uh, they saw, you know, a six-foot, you know, middle school girl and thought, well, she better, she better be a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper or a striker, I guess. So 
put her in goal and yeah she's from the time she was eight she was playing it and then the more interested I got in it the more the little brothers and sisters sort of fell in the line got one striker in the family but everybody else is a keeper what are their idols uh, in terms of keepers particularly the ones that uh, play keeper well I, I'm a Brown a scurry fan from uh, from remembering those know days. Her well, yeah. Yeah, but uh, my daughter, of course, is a Hope Solo and and loves those modern those modern keepers. I was just hanging out with Hope Solo. I saw her at the Rose Bowl. Actually, she's a Washington uh, oh, grad, sure. so uh, um, and she still looks great. I asked her why she still isn't playing. She's like, Nah, I'm 37. I'm past it. But you know, with this league, she could still do it, right? Oh, no doubt. Especially a goalkeeper. I mean, you got your shelf life is a lot a lot longer at that position if you keep yeah. yourself in shape. And what about on the men's side uh, over the years? Any uh, U.S. goalkeepers that uh, you really like? Uh, I, oh, I, I love them all. Like, I'm uh, <laughs> not even a U.S. goalkeeper. I follow the, the Philadelphia Union here domestically, so I'm a big Andre Blake fan. And, mm-hmm. uh, and some of the guys here, uh, John Bush, and, and just sort of those blue-collar keepers are always kind of fun to watch, guys that maybe physically you look at them and you don't immediately think keeper, but they found a way to, to play at a really high level. Where is the six-yard box produced? Where do you live? Uh, we're out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay. Yep, down near Nashville. And you also teach broadcasting, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm a broadcasting professor at uh, Western Kentucky University. All right, so you said, hey, there's a podcast role going on. I want to get involved. How hard was it to get on this role here? Uh, surprisingly, not not too bad. <laughs> you know, it's uh, uh, Mike Nipper and uh, Bailey Conklin in the part of the organization. They did a fantastic job. and. Um, reached out and yeah they gathered the information I think did their homework and said hey we've got room for apparently two goalkeeping podcasts down here <laughs> yeah we talked to the other one those guys are nuts by the way oh yeah it's a whole lot of fun all right Ron if people want to get in touch with you and talk goalkeeping on your podcast how do they do it oh uh, easiest way is 6ydbox.com that's our website uh, we're on Twitter and, and we're around but um, but that's the best way to find us real easy we gotta, yeah we got to find the guys that took the A and the R away. You're right. What's the right. deal with that? Well, honestly, that's where the, the, the name really kind of came from, is try to find a, a website that someone hasn't stolen and sitting on hoping for a lot of a lot of income. So Six Yard Box was one that was available. So, yeah, so all we got are six numbers, six letters, I guess, 6YDBOX. All right, I love what you're doing. I love that it involves your family as well. Thanks for being with us. Ron DeMars, Six Yard Box, the Six Yard Box podcast. Good stuff, Ron. Thanks for being with us. Oh, I can't thank you enough. And there you have it. We thank Ron. We thank Bill Nuttall, the general manager of the 1994 U.S. World Cup soccer team, who's done so many great things in soccer, including Nuttall Field at Davis and Elkins in West Virginia. Also want to thank Mike Knipper, Sean Chevrolet, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. We'll have another podcast review next week with one of the great podcasters on Podcast Row at the 2019 United Soccer Coaches Convention. Thanks for listening to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm Dean Linky. Have a great day, everybody. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more.